you'll stand with us tonight, the book of Psalms, chapter uh, 101, Psalms 101 uh, tonight, and uh, I don't have a long sermon, and uh, but I do have uh, a burden on my heart about what I'm going to preach on tonight. I do pray that God will use it and that He'll speak to our hearts, and our burden is uh, is that I want to, I've been praying that God would uh, would save people in our church, and I mean, there's no doubt there's uh, people in our church, young people, and uh, they just, you know, are getting to that age. And, and, of course, others that need to be saved, only the Holy Spirit knows who. But I'll tell you, the closer we get to God, uh, the more God's power work in our church, and we can see revival, amen, and see souls saved. And so uh, I pray that the Lord will do that this month, and He'll just speak in a mighty, mighty way. Psalms 101 and verse number 1, David said, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence tonight, God, I stand fearfully and humbly before you, realizing that I need your help. God, I realize that in me dwelleth no good thing, that all of my righteousness is filthy rags. Lord, I pray that you'll help us these next few moments. We do not want to be a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. We do not want to preach in the energy of our flesh, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would give us the liberty and the vocabulary that's needed tonight. Give us the mentality. And Lord, I pray that you'd illuminate our heart and mind and may the will of God be done and we'll love you and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice in our text four things about the psalmist David. I want you to see in verse number one, we see David's song. As David said, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. We see David's song. Uh, David had a song. and uh, The Bible says that in Psalms chapter 40 when he wrote that psalm. He said, The Lord hath put a new song in my, my heart that will sing praise even unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. And you know, every Christian has a song in their heart. The Bible says, Speak unto yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart as to the Lord. God puts a song in your heart when you get saved. And so we see David's song. And then we see in verse number two, David's sensitivity as he said, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Uh, David is very sensitive to the ways of God. He wants to behave himself wisely. I, I think as Christians, the Bible encourages us and instructs us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the day are evil. That means that we're to walk very carefully. We're to walk very prayerfully. We, uh, the psalmist, uh, pray that the Lord would set a watch before his lips. And I think that's a good prayer for all of us to pray is, Lord, guide my tongue. And Lord, help my spirit. And Lord, uh, keep my attitude in check. And Lord, uh, keep my thought process where it needs to be at. And that we ought to behave ourselves wisely as Christians. We ought to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our life. And so I see David's song. I see David's sensitivity. And then I see David's sincerity. Notice what he said in verse number two. He said, oh, when wilt thou come unto me? Notice what he said, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. 
In this psalm, there are six I wills. There is the I will in verse number one where David talks about his song. There's the I will in verse number two where David talks about his sensitivity. There's the I will in verse number two here where David talks about his sincerity. In verse two, he talks about a perfect way. In verse two, he talks about a perfect heart. He's David says in this verse, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. In other words, David says, I'm gonna be at home what I am at church. Can I get a witness on that? David says, I'm gonna be in the secret door places of my home when the doors are shut. I'm gonna walk with God and I'm gonna be as real there as what I will anywhere else. I wanna tell you if there's anything that's destroyed the home in our day and time is that people come and they're one way at church but they're another way at home. And I'm not saying everybody's that way but I'm saying you've got to be real, amen? You Listen, we may, we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna fail God, and family's gonna see those things in our life. They're gonna see our faults and our failures. But we need to be sincere in the walls of our home. We don't need to be hypocrites. Can I get an amen right there? We need to live in a real manner, in a real fashion. And so David, we see his sensitivity. We see his song and then we see his sincerity. But I want you to notice verse number three. We see David's standard, amen? As he says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. You know, there's a lot of things in life that are wicked. When you think about it, we live in a wicked world tonight, don't we? You think about magazines, movies, cell phone, billboards, certain places of business, etc. Uh, there's so many things that we could list tonight that, that falls under that definition of wickedness and we live in a world that is full of wickedness uh, and listen tonight, uh, it's on every corner, it's on every hand and David in this verse here he has a standard in his life that he's going to live by and that is he's not gonna set no wicked thing before his eyes. David, in this text here, emphasizes anything that would be wicked. I want to preach tonight on this subject on hell's box office. Hell's box office. Because tonight, I don't know of anything that has probably destroyed the, the home and produced more wickedness in the home than the television. The television came out in the 1920s and uh, was uh, came across the airwaves and had in the 1920s and really in the 1930s is when uh, it was introduced uh, in 1940s after World War II in the United Kingdom in the United States the television became <clears throat> very popular and very prominent in the home and today 79% of, of, of all Americans own a television set uh, within their home and the average status of how much time that people spend in front of the television set is three hours and 17 minutes a day. 1972, HBO aired for the first time. It was named that for HBO for home box office. But it ought to be named Hell's Box Office tonight. I think Cinemax has got a good name. Can I get a witness right there? Now don't y'all dial me because I'm preaching on television. Amen. You don't have to get quiet. You can say, man, everything I say is going to be true tonight. I think Cinemax is right because it's Cinemax. Isn't that right? 
showtime uh, is right. Uh, uh, it's all about the self and all about the flesh. And, and TV has become one of the leading downfalls of our nation. Uh, when TV first began, uh, the, the TV series that were put out, and you know this, uh, was I Love Lucy, The Lone Ranger, Father Knows Best, uh, and The Andy Griffith Show. Now, the only reason everybody was happy on The Andy Griffith Show is because nobody on that show was married but Otis, uh, and he always stayed drunk and in, in jail all the time. Amen. Y'all didn't even laugh at that. Don't worry, it's going to get worse, I promise you. TV's been one of the leading causes of destruction in our home. Demonstrates uh, or dem uh, it demoralizes uh, the character and the conduct of society. It destroys the family value and respect within the home. Television praises the sinful and wicked lifestyles of the ungodly. It paints a false picture of sin. It has deceived and lied to a generation after generation of young people propagating a lifestyle that is wicked, irreverent, and ungodly. It has stolen the decency and the purity of holy matrimony. It has glorified adultery, fornication, and divorce. It has belittled authority and promoted rebellion on every level from the schoolhouse to the church house and even our own house. It has taught disrespect toward the law, toward teachers, toward parents, toward preachers, toward government officials. A, a television has glorified and relished in sexual perversion by constantly showing men and women almost or completely nude. Listen, it has mocked God, damned his name, made fun of his character, cursed his son, denied and blasphemed his spirit. I'm just simply saying television, it ought to be named hell's box office. Television has made heroes out of evil men while destroying the character of decent and moral men. Television has saluted the foul mouth and the perverted minds of comedians uh, portraying them as household entertainment and legends while attacking and questioning uh, the conduct and the character of holy men of God that have stood for what is true. Uh, TV has robbed the home of family dinner time, uh, family front porch fellowship and family altar in this hour. It's become a babysitter to children teaching them the principles of Hollywood and, and wicked propaganda and humanism and racism and evolution and anti-patriotism. That's what television has done for the homes of America. It has taught procrastination. And while children used to go outside and play outside, they would play ball, ride BMXs, play with dolls, make mud pies. Uh, somebody say amen right now. Now they lay on the couch uh, and they watch hours of television uh, uh, full of filth and fantasy and all kinds of fiction and we wonder what is wrong with our young people in America. I want to tell you television has caused a great damage to our homes and to our churches. I grew up in the 1980s. In the 1980s every teenager that was not saved wanted a t-shirt that said I want my MTV. Music television promoted rock music and country music it's probably no comparison to what they show now. Daytime television is filled with soap operas such as the young and the ruthless. Amen. I know y'all remember them. One life to lose. General Hellspittle. And as the world burns. I remember every bit of that as a teenager, as a child growing up. 
I'm talking about they fill our home with decor channels uh, uh, that uh, promote sodomy and sodomites, uh, infeminate men who run around with tight pants and limp-wristed uh, and queer haircuts. You know what I'm talking about. Women with their baggy shirts and their baggy shorts uh, and their butch haircuts uh, and their deep voices with no Adam apples uh, I'm talking about. Uh, uh, that's the society that we're living in now. Talk shows such as The View, amen, with a bunch of women who hate God, hate America and hate men. Isn't that right? Spilling out garbage. Uh, uh, there's no mention uh, uh, of the constant, that's not even to mention, should I say, of the constant flow of violence and of blood and of gore. Uh, and the more of those three, the more popular the movie is. Uh, demons and monsters and zombies, uh, alcohol, drugs, uh, more sexual perversion, profanity that knows no end. Uh, and while statistics teach us uh, that the average church-going Christian today prays uh, three minutes or less a day, reads their Bible eight minutes a day, watches three hours and 17 minutes of, t uh, of TV a day, and dare not attend a church uh, where a preacher preaches over 30 minutes a day, we wonder why we're in the shape we're in tonight. Used to, you went to church and preachers always preached on TV. You hardly ever hear a sermon about it anymore. Let's be honest. TV's not better tonight than it was 25 or 35 years ago. I would say tonight, we wonder why we don't have revival. We wonder why our loved ones don't get saved. We wonder why we cannot seem to have victory in our Christian life. Could it be that the TV is the number one tool that Satan is using to rob our homes of family altar? Christian marriages, marriages to corrupt and to shape, or should I say warp, of the minds of our children and our teenager? No wonder a sermon on hell doesn't move this generation anymore. They They've saw so many zombies and demons uh, and so many horror movies uh, uh, listen with devils in them uh, uh, that the average sermon on hell is nothing more than a fairy tale, a myth uh, or a legend in their mind. Uh, I'm simply saying uh, uh, listen, missionaries, evangelists and pastors uh, could never influence some uh, because the TV has taught them that the real heroes uh, is pop stars, fashion girls, uh, sports athletes uh, and fans famous actresses and actors in this day. They're not impressed by the sawdust trail. They're not trying to trot down the aisle to an altar to I surrender all. They're more interested my friend in the red carpet. They're more interested in becoming Miss America rather than a missionary. I'm saying somebody somewhere ought to say something about it. Somebody's got to preach against it. I'm not being mean spirited. I don't have an ax to grind but I'm telling you the television said has become a set pool of sin my friend that is draining the spiritual life out of our churches today and as the people of God we've got to get back to holiness we've got to get back to preaching on sin and we've got to have someone that'll say amen when you preach on it amen I want to say tonight Hollywood has dictate so many things in people's lives their color of hair, style of furniture in their home, pictures on their wall, their attitude, their conduct of the youth, the concept of what a happy marriage is, the image that they bear in society. Even Disney has corrupted the minds of children. Now I'm really in trouble. I haven't seen a 
cartoon since Tom and Jerry. I used to get so mad watching that cartoon. That dumb cat. I don't like cats anyway. If I'd have been my cat, I'd have shot him. Amen. Only one mouse in the house and you can't ever catch it. Amen. That coyote can't ever catch that roadrunner. I mean, it's a retarded coyote. As far as I, I used to watch it, I'd get so frustrated. I mean, watched 130 episodes as a kid and he's still chasing the same roadrunner around. Cartoons have come a long ways, haven't they? The famous song, Let It Go, from the movie Frozen, really illustrates what Disney wants to teach our young people. I wrote down the words to it. It says, the snow glows white on the mountains tonight, not a footprint to be seen, a kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling like the swirling storms inside. Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in, don't let them see. Be the good girl you've always had to be. Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know. Well, now they know. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're going to say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. It's funny how some distance make everything seem small and the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules. For me, I'm free. Let it go, let it go. I am one with the wind and the sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry. Here I stand and here I stay. Let the storm rage on. My power flurries through the air into the ground. My soul is spiraling, spiraling and frozen. Fractals all around and one thought crystallizes like an icy blast. I'm never going back. The past is the past. Let it go, let it go. When I'll rise like the break of dawn, let it go, let it go. The perfect girl is gone. Here I stand in the light of day. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. I think it's time that the people of God wake up. That the one-eyed monster has dominated, destroyed and demoralized the family long enough. It's time that women go back to cooking. Can I get an amen? Children go back to playing. Dads go back to working, somebody say amen. And the family goes back to praying. You say, preacher, do you have a TV? I do. But it doesn't have me tonight. You say, preacher, what do you watch on TV? The TV's the most, my wife is sitting right here tonight, she'll tell you. It's the most, how would you say it, least used thing in the home. Now, if you want to know what the most used thing in our home is, it's the refrigerator. <laughs> I'll gladly trade my television for a refrigerator any day of the week. Brother Green was at our house, and you said, well, well, what would you, do you have a TV? Do you use it? I, very seldom, but we used it when Brother Green was here. We watched Jack Hiles preach on Sunday's coming. He blistered everything. How many of y'all ever heard that sermon? Go home and 
and watch it tonight or tomorrow. You'll be against everything when you get through watching that. And for the few that are still listening, we watch the believers heaven. We're Dr. Bob Gray and Brother Tim Green, a young man, I'm talking about 20s, preached and had they did the drama of the preacher's heaven and standing on the shore there was a young Don Green and, and a young James Cobb and, and there was a, a young Bobby Brindle and there was some other young preachers that I'd never seen them that young they were standing there and they were singing about heaven. I, I listen I, I, David was not talking about a television set in this verse because there wasn't a television around when David wrote this verse but he said I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes listen uh, uh, tonight uh, it's not necessarily what you own uh, but it's what you're letting funnel through what you own amen and I read this verse and I know that this verse is not talking about the television set but in this verse David gives us three things of how to conquer this monster tonight that has destroyed our homes I want to give them to you and be done. I want to say first of all, I want you to notice a principle. He said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. You see what that is tonight? It's a principle. It can apply to anything. It can apply to a cell phone. It can apply, uh, apply to the internet tonight. It can apply to a, a library, a magazine. I understand all that, but I'm not preaching on them tonight, perhaps later, but tonight I'm preaching on the television set. I'm preaching on hell's box office and there's a principle in this verse and David said the principle that I'm living by is that I'm not setting anything wicked before my eyes. And I wanna tell you tonight, that is the principle that we need to teach our young people tonight is that it's more than just uh, whether you own a, a television set or whether you don't own a television set, it's the principle uh, my friend that you'll not let something wicked be set before your eyes. Uh, uh, you see it is called a television because that's what it does. Uh, it, it portrays something there. I'm not telling you to go home and throw it in the river tonight. I'm not telling you to go home and take a 12 gauge shotgun and shoot it. If you do, I won't get mad. I promise you. Amen. Uh, but I'm just simply saying there's a principle that you have to live by. There's a principle you have to raise your children on. That is when something's wicked, you're not going to set it before your eyes. Amen. I think you'll agree with me tonight. Cable television doesn't offer anything decent, doesn't offer anything wholesome anymore, doesn't offer anything probably uh, no doubt worth watching. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, this country is drunken on sports. It's drunken on uh, all kinds of entertainment. Uh, and listen, it ought to be preached uh, because I'm sick and tired. You say, preacher, I don't like that. I don't really care because I'm going to tell you why. I'm sick and tired of losing young people. I'm sick and tired of losing families. I'm tired of, listen, problems coming in homes. And as a pastor, when you deal with enough mud, you'll just about preach on anything if it'll help somebody. Amen. The principle tonight is this. You can't let something come in your home that's wicked. It'll affect your children. It's like having a python in a cage. But what are you going to do if the cage breaks? What are you going to do if somebody turns it loose? And the principle David had in his life is, I'm not saying a wicked thing before my eyes. Not only a principle, but then there's a passion. 
Notice what David said in verse number three. He said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. It's interesting to note that phrase because David's passion is not love here, but it's hatred. He's got a holy hatred. And it's not toward man. Notice he said, I hate the work of them that turn aside. David does not hate the sinner. David does not hate the man. You cannot be a Christian and have hate in your heart towards someone, but you can be a Christian and have a holy hatred toward the work of men. They're talking about that wicked work, that, that sinful work. Now, can I tell you something about my flesh tonight? My flesh is like anybody else's flesh. If I just sit down and I just turn the TV on and I just let come what may, or I just sit down and watch whatever, I'm gonna tell you my flesh is like yours tonight. God God didn't save my flesh and God didn't save your flesh. Somebody said, well, I, I can watch all that nudity and profanity and it doesn't bother me. I don't believe that for one minute, friend. If you got a breath in your body, if you got life in your body, then your flesh is every much alive as everybody else's is. You may not, and I may get to the place where we get desensitized to it. It'll take the Holy Ghost to wake us up to it, amen? You say, well, preacher, how do I overcome that? You gotta learn to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God God hates and David loved God and so therefore David hated the work of men, the work of those men. I'm telling you friend tonight I am 1000% without apology. I am 1000% against Hollywood tonight. We don't stand for the thing, same thing that they stand for. Listen, we don't have the same theology. We don't listen. We're not going in the same direction. I'm telling you the church can have revival when the church starts taking a stand against things that they used to stand against. I'm saying we've got to hate the work of sinful men tonight. See what they want to do in this hour. They just want us to accept. Because if we'll just accept some things, eventually you know what we'll do? We'll excuse some things. That's why they want to put men on television kissing men. And women kissing women. That's why they, they want to propagate sodomy uh, in the airwaves is because they know that mom and dad will probably never go along with that. But if they can just get that younger generation coming up, seeing it in cartoons and, and seeing it in movie pictures and seeing it in things, uh, it's all that they've ever known. So therefore, it's not as vile. It's not as wicked. It's not as, as bad as it, as it was to your generation and to mine. I'll tell you tonight, if I was a parent and had children at home, home. I'm talking about as a parent with children at home. I would guard them against the cesspool of Hollywood. I would monitor everything that was set before their eyes. You say, preacher, that takes a lot of time. I understand that. But if you love your children and if you want to keep them from the wiles and the vile things of this world, you've got to shelter them. You've got to build a wall of protection around them. God gave them to you and the world, the flesh and the devil wants them tonight. And if the world can educate them them through the television screen. You better believe they're going to do that. You know why we had a John Wesley and a Charles Wesley? Because there was a Mama Wesley who had 17, 18, I can't remember how many children. And every day to find her place of prayer, she would take her apron and put it over her head in the kitchen while the children played. And she prayed for them. And those boys never forgot that. 
You know why tonight? That there's been great men and great women of God because they had parents. Hudson Taylor, when he was four years old, Hudson Taylor was no doubt probably one of, if not the greatest missionary that's ever lived since the Apostle Paul. When Taylor died in 1905, there was 865 missionaries in China in the 12 providences because of Hudson Taylor. Amy Carmichael was stirred by the preaching of Hudson Taylor. C.T. Studd was stirred by the preaching of Hudson Taylor. I said in 1905 when he died, there was 865. That's not true. It was in, uh, it was in the late 1800s, but by the time we get to 19, yes, in 1905, it was in 1915 when communism came to China. It had grown from 865 to 973 missionaries. Taylor had been dead for 10 years. He went to the providence of China. There was no missionaries there. He asked his wife to pray that God would give one missionary for every providence the first year when they went back. When they went back, God had given two to every providence. Within another year, there was 70. Within the fourth year, there was over 100 the secretary of the China Inland Mission called uh, Hudson Taylor when he started the mission after some time and she said to him, she said, uh, she said, uh, Mr. Taylor, she didn't call her, I reckon she wrote a letter in those days, but she said, Mr. Taylor, she said, we don't have but $50 in the account. He said, no, that's not true. He said, we have $50 and all the promises of God. Taylor was in a four-knot wind on the banks of New Guinea. As he was there, the captain and the crew had done everything they could to, to try to salvage the, the ship, but that four-knot wind was pushing them toward the, uh, the shores of New Guinea. And while they were uh, being pushed to the shores, the cannibals had come out already on the seaside there, and they had stoked a fire and was ready for supper, waiting for them to arrive. Uh, I want to tell you, the captain said to them, said, men, I'm sorry to announce, but we've done everything everything that we can that we're going to have to surrender to the, to the sea and to the wind. There's nothing else we can do. Taylor spoke up and said, no, we've not done everything we can do. He said, sir, if you'll permit me and four men to go down into the bow of this ship and pray for God to send us a wind to push us out to sea, we will. The captain gave them liberty. They went down, they prayed, and out of nowhere came a gust of wind that pushed that boat. Taylor said, to the surprise of the captain and to the crew and to much disappointment of the cannibals, he said that wind pushed them out to sea. He was a great missionary. But when he was four years old, he stood up on his coffee table in his living room with his parents and he said, when I become a man, I'm going to be a missionary and go to China. You know how Hudson Taylor got such a desire to go to China? Because his daddy had a great burden for China. So great that all he did was talk about China and it got in the heart of that little four-year-old boy. And God raised him up. You say, preacher, what are you saying? There's no telling how many Hudson Taylors, Amy Carmichael's, George Whitfield's, Charles Whitfield, Wesley, Charles Wesley, George Wesley, that we've been robbed of because of the television. Tonight, I see a passion. You'll never surrender those bad movies 
until you learn to hate what God hates. They make, when they curse the name of God, blaspheme the name of our Savior, it ought to move us tonight. We see His principle, we see His passion, and then we see His promise. Look what He said in verse 3. He said, it shall not cleave to me. He has a principle, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. He has a passion, I'll hate the work of them that turn aside. And then He has a promise, it will not cleave to me. You see tonight, there's only one way to deal with a monster. And that's cut its head off. There's only one way to deal with something that's a stronghold, if it's a stronghold in your life tonight. You've got to make a promise to God and say, that's not going to cleave to me. Them 30-minute sitcoms are not going to cleave to me. Them soap operas are not going to cleave to me. Them filthy movies are not going to cleave to me. That profanity in the home, it's, it's not happening in my house. You've got to make a promise to God. You've got to get on an altar. You've got to come somewhere and say, you know, you've got to get your family together. You say, well, preacher, we, we've watched things that we shouldn't. We'll just get them together. Have a family time. And say, so you heard the preacher tonight. We need, to, we need to react. We need to do something about that. There's someone here tonight and maybe there's something that's got a hold of you. You know, I'm not, I'm not preaching against tonight telling you that, that you can't on a television set, but I'm telling you that if it's filthy, that if it's vile, that if it's a wicked thing, don't set it before your eyes. And for God's sake, don't set it before your children's eyes. Is it too high of a price to pay? I mean, you know, y'all remember the days, I don't. <laughs> do you remember the days when, some of you do, when people went home and they ate supper? Not out of a microwave, too. They ate cornbread out of a skillet. Somebody say Amen. And they sat on the front porch and they talked and they fellowshiped. And today, think about where we're at in America tonight. How we've come to a place in society that mom and dad don't know, they know very little what their children's doing, what they're watching, what they're being trained. I really, as a pastor, have thought about why is it that you, in the last five years, why is it that you can preach your heart out on hell and used to, I'm talking about up to about five or six years ago, you could get sinners to raise their hand, but you can't get them hardly to do that no more. And it's not just here, it's everywhere. You know why that is. We're dealing with a different generation, friend. And tonight, it may be old-fashioned. It may be outdated. It may not be popular. It may get you labeled. <laughs> People may not like it, but the truth is the truth is the truth. And you'll do good to take heed to what I'm telling you tonight. I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Just make God that promise. Make that commitment, Lord. 
You gave me my home. You gave me my family. You know what our homes ought to be tonight? It ought to be heaven on earth. It ought to be an extension of the church. What I mean tonight is, is that when we walk through the hallways of our home, we ought to not hear profane words. Oh, the preacher could say something that might curl a few toenails and people will go home sometimes and say, man, can you believe he said that? But they'll go right home and turn the television on. Where it's one curse word after another. And it's an accepted lifestyle as we stand tonight. Father, Lord, I just tried to obey you tonight. I don't know anybody's life. I'm not judging anybody's life tonight. But God, the truth is, the television's destroyed a lot of marriages, a lot of homes, a lot of churches. God help us tonight. If there's somebody struggling with it, they need to come get on the altar. Lord, give them the grace just to make a promise. I They'll not let that, they'll not set a wicked thing before their eyes. Have thy way, O oh Lord, tonight, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. While we sing, if you need a come, would you come tonight?